and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Do you feel like you've not been able to make headway in achieving your goals? Or did you start the year pumped, ready to move forward on making things happen and simply lost your way? Things don't need to just get better. They actually can be better. In Design Your Dream Life, I'll show you a proven pathway to take you from where you are now to a life filled with joy, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. I'll give you the keys to not just developing a plan, but taking massive empowered action to make your dreams a reality. Turn roadblocks into stepping stones and leverage the power of gratitude and forgiveness. Let's face it, taking massive empowered action and making your dreams a reality isn't always easy. So I'll be there with you every step of the way. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com to purchase your copy of Design Your Dream Life, obtain resources and join our free community. Again, that's dreamlifetoolkit.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. Okay, so you guys know, or, or maybe you maybe you figured it out by now, that I try to find guests who are three steps ahead of me. People who like I look up to, I, I'm like, I want to be like them when I grow up. <laughs> that kind of attitude. I want to surround myself and learn from those who have been where I want to go. And our next guest is exactly that. I feel like she is doing what I want to do and is three steps ahead. And I'm excited to learn from her because that's how we all grow, right? We grow by finding people who are better than us. We grow by finding people who are doing what we want to do and learning from them. And so I'm so excited for this interview today. So our next guest is a former marketing executive for NASA at the Kennedy Space center turned entrepreneur. Now she's been an entrepreneur for over you know 16 plus years and was recently awarded innovator of the year global award winning business coach in 2019. I love that 16 years into entrepreneurship still evolving and growing. She is a strategic marketing consultant and keynote speaker for industry leaders including the Ritz Carlton. And most recently, she is founded uh, the Boss Women Rock, an organization which helps women in business make their first or next 100K. She's the editor-in-chief of Boss Women Rock magazine and host of the iTunes podcast, which features entrepreneurial celebrity guests like Laurel Langmeyer. Let's see if I said that right. That's right. From The Secret. And she is just really everywhere, right? She is frequently contributing to PBS, Huffington Post, NBC, ABC, Fox, CBS. She is a sought-after speaker and consultant teaching people how to get their message out into the world. So big Dreamcast welcome to Jen DeVore. Thank you, Denise. Great to see <laughs> you again. <laughs> well, I'm excited to connect with you. I know I just had the privilege of sharing my experience on your podcast. So thank you so much for that. And I, I can't wait to pick your brain and share with our listeners what you've learned over your extensive career as an entrepreneur. But I know you weren't always an entrepreneur. So before no. we jump into what you're doing now, I'd love to hear a bit about what NASA was like and why you decided to pivot from there. Basically, I'm a corporate dropout. I mean, I loved my experience working for NASA. That was 
I call it my, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere job. You know, if, if you can, my responsibilities were managing all of the paid advertising and consumer research. Anywhere that NASA was going to spend money to attract visitors to the Kennedy Space Center, that was my responsibility. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Kennedy Space Center would or NASA would even need to spend money to attract people to their brand, but they do. Uh, Kennedy Space Center is one of the world's most visited tourist attraction in the entire state of Florida. It's top five, just under competing. We, I was competing with Walt Disney World, SeaWorld, Universal Studios, like the big, big tourist attractions. And my job was to steal them away from the mouse for a day, I gotta say. So I had to run. When I was there, I was the first person, the first marketer to bring national TV commercials to Kennedy Space Center and make it a profitable endeavor for them. I was managing billboard campaigns, print ads, sales collateral, brochures, in-park marketing, like you name it, I was responsible for it. And I also oversaw a team of three full-time research assistants that were on staff at Kennedy Space Center every day, learning about our visitors and understanding where they came from, what drove them to steal them away from Disney for the day and come to Kennedy Space Center? What, you know, who are they? What's, what's, what makes them tick? And why would they decide to spend part of their vacation with us? That was, that was my responsibility. That's what I did there. It was amazing because, you know, I had this big multi-million dollar budget. It was high pressure, high power. This was when we were launching space shuttles in the early 2000s also. So it was a very exciting, glamorous place to be back then. And I ended up there because they had the Armageddon movie premiere. Remember Armageddon with like Ben Affleck was in the, they had the movie premiere there and I kept seeing it on TV. It was on Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood and all the, you know, the news shows. And I said, oh, I want to work there. That looks really cool. So that's how I ended up there. And that's what I did there. And I totally loved it. It was the, I use what I learned at Kennedy Space Center every day of my life, every day as a marketer. Well, I love what you said. You said, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. And I think we all need moments in our life where we're doing something hard, where yeah. we feel the pressure, where we have to kind of show up and perform, even though we're like, uh, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and we, we and then we see success or we, we learn something and we thrive. And then it kind of transfers into all areas of our life, right? They say how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you have that confidence as you start new projects too. Yeah. I mean, when you have to report to the executives at NASA who are very serious, okay, this is like, we were in the fun business. The tourism industry is the fun business, but they were not in the fun business. They, it's the government. Okay. So they are paying attention to every single penny, every single dime in their marketing, and you have to account for it. And you are responsible for stewarding the taxpayer's money. This is serious. It is a serious business with a, a lot of responsibility. And uh, I'm so grateful that I had that experience so young and so early in my professional career because I feel like I can handle anything now. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely anything. You also said that you did a lot of research. And I think that's really interesting yeah. because so many times we're like, I have a message to share. Let me mm. share it with everyone. <laughs> and, and often we need to really pinpoint who our client is. What did that research entail and why was it important? I mean, so this is just marketing basics. So this is what I studied in college. I don't, what did you study in college? I'm curious. Psychology. Psychology. Okay. So in college, I studied marketing and PR and communications. And I remember this acronym that they gave us. It was called RACE, R-A-C-E. And the basics of marketing, most people that are not marketers, 
think that marketing is complicated, but it's really not. Okay, so if you think about it in, with the RACE acronym, uh, research, action, communication, evaluation. So all marketing campaigns, even if it's a multi, if it's a multi-million dollar campaign or if it's a hundred dollar campaign, needs to start with research. You need to understand who your people are. What problem are you solving? Why do they want to do business with you? Why do they not want to do business with you? Where do they live? Where do, you know, all of these, like, what is the dynamic that makes them who they are? And how can you connect your, your business or your brand to them? So that's research. You, you need that. Then you create your action plan. Then you communicate it. And then you evaluate it and see if it worked or not. So research action plan, communication, evaluation. Research is the number one foundation of all successful marketing campaigns. Well, and it seems like that drives the marketing campaign. So it truly is, like you said, foundational. Everything else stems from that. Yeah, it definitely is. So you've had lots of pivots and Uh not only coming out of NASA, but also throughout your entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. journey. What was the decision that made you say, all right, I'm going to expand or I need to pivot or something's got to change here? So when I was working for NASA, while it was a very glamorous job, it was uh, so grateful for the opportunity. It was amazing, especially during the time that I was there. I got to meet Buzz Aldrin would call me on my phone. I was on a first name basis with Buzz Aldrin. Like no one can say that. Like, you know, it was an amazing experience. But the reality was behind the scenes that my life was suffering. I was working nonstop, constantly working especially during launch season, because we would have to, we literally would spend the night if we were launching in the middle of the night. We would literally spend the night in our offices because we had dignitaries there. Our visitors were there. We had a launch plan. Uh, we had media to deal with. And so if a launch got scrubbed or something, we, were, we had to stay. We were there. And my personal life was really suffering. And I met, oh, also during this time, I was taking night classes, studying for my master's degree. So it was a lot. Okay. So then I met someone and he said that he wasn't going to marry me if I continued to work that job because it was so demanding. And he didn't see how I could be in a marriage. Like it just, he just couldn't understand it. And so I quit that job. I quit Kennedy Space Center and I got a job in pharmaceutical sales, which was the industry that he was in, thinking that pharmaceutical sales would give me the freedom, you know, the lifestyle, the freedom. It wasn't as, it's high pressure, but in a different way, you, you have more control of your schedule. You're doing outside sales. So you're kind of on the road controlling your day. And the money was a lot better too than working for the government. Right. So I left Kennedy Space Center, went into pharma sales, but that wasn't great because the money was better. The time was better, but I didn't like it. I was completely unfulfilled. I literally would come home at night crying, uh, saying, this is not my calling in life. I felt like a UPS driver dropping off lunch and not not using my gifts and talents, not being creative like I was at Kennedy Space Center. So there were some struggles there. And then to make a long story short, eventually that husband that I had, that was my starter husband, my starter husband's job got transferred to Jacksonville, and which is a couple hours away from the Kennedy Space Center. And so I took that opportunity to say, okay, I'm not going to go back into pharma sales when I move to Jacksonville, and I'm not going to be able to get a job like at Kennedy Space Center because there's not really much going on in Jacksonville. So I decided to start my own business. And the very first business that I ever had was a photography studio. I think a lot of people do this when they're trying to transition out of corporate America. They start a job based on what their hobby is, and that's what I did. So I started a photography studio based on my photography hobby. That was the creative outlet that I had done for myself. And that's how it all began was as a professional photographer. 
Wow. You're hitting on a couple of things. Number one, you were making money and you had more time, but you weren't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so you wanted to find something that was fulfilling. That was something you actually really enjoyed. So it makes sense to say, well, how do I spend my time in my free time? Oh, I love photography. So let me see if I can make money there. So did that work? <laughs> yeah, it worked great because I'm a marketer. So I, so most photographers are not great business people because they're starving artists, I call it, starving artist syndrome. They love photography so much that they're willing to do it for free. And they do a lot, you know, and this was really before digital. I'm like aging myself with all my stories, but this was kind of before digital cameras were really a thing. This was before we had like a camera on our phone and everyone could like take a great picture on their phone and think, oh, I really into photography and I'm going to be a photographer. And like you'd get a camera for Christmas and be like, I'm going to take pictures of my kids. And then all of a sudden you think you're a professional photographer. Like this is a thing that happens now, but it wasn't happening then. We were shooting on digital, but the digital cameras were so expensive. The consumer was priced out of the market back then, right? So it was really professional photography then. Um, I learned on film and I basically did, when I started the photography business, I did for myself what I did when I was going to study business and marketing. I went to school and I learned everything that I could about it and went back to college. I started taking courses with the New York Institute of Photography. I even got certified, which is very rare. There's a a thing called Certified Professional Photographers or CPP. So I got the CPP designation, which is a big honor among photographers. And I was successful not only because I was good technically, but because I ran it as a business and I was really good at the marketing. And so I was one of the top photographers in our entire town and I was making a killing, (laughs) truthfully. Like I was making great money doing it. And the way that I ended up getting into what I do now, like as a marketing consultant and and the business coach is because my photography business was so successful, other professional photographer associations started bringing me in to teach photographers about the business side of marketing. And so I was doing workshops and going around and speaking. That's kind of really where it all started. Eventually I burned out. After seven years, I burned out on photography. I made a lot of mistakes in that business. Well, you know, I was successful at it and I made a lot of money. Mistakes that I made were I didn't systemize it to the point where I could have a business that was growing without me having to show up and shoot a wedding or I had a little team. I had two assistants, but I had branded it the gen show basically. (laughs) And so all my clients wanted me They weren't going to accept someone else coming as my substitute, even if they had been trained by me. I had not marketed it like that. I didn't have systems set up for letting me relinquish the control. You know, this is my first business. I didn't, I didn't really know what I I knew I was good at marketing, but I didn't know like all the other stuff that can, that can be the downfall of entrepreneurship. So basically I, at the top of my business, at the peak of my business, I was getting paid $5,000 a wedding shooting a minimum of 30 weddings a year, plus families and babies and maternity and all that. At the peak of my business, I walked away because I burnt out. And I just said, I'm going to figure out something else to do because I don't want to work nights and weekends. I don't want to work holidays. The last wedding I shot was on a New Year's Eve. And I had since been divorced from my starter husband and was in a new relationship. And I knew that was really, that relationship was really important to me. And I had basically built myself this job where I was working all the time (laughs) and stressing myself out, just like I did at Kennedy Space Center. And so I walked away from it and said, I'm going to take some time to regroup and think about what kind of business do I really want? But more importantly, what kind of life do I really want? And I know that's an important part of your message too. Yeah. So I think this is so cool because 
you are, you're, you start by taking your hobby, your passion, and you Mm -hmm. can grow that into a business and you can step-by-step learn so much about how to be a business owner. But what we end up doing sometimes, I'm using personal trainers or hairstylists, or even me as like uh, a former clinical psychologist speaker, like often how do you scale some of that, right? Because you either charge more or you work more. And so it's interesting to start with the end in mind and ask yourself those important questions. What do I want my life to look like? What do I want my business to look like? And then reverse engineer it so you can create a business that has a system where you're a part of it, but it can work without you. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was, and I, because I knew, understood marketing and pricing, I could solve that problem because I, I said to my, it was just math. I was said, okay, if I want to have a minimum of $150,000 in income just from weddings, not including all the spinoff business, which is even more profitable than weddings, but just because weddings were, um, if I could book a wedding, then I knew that I could book an engagement photo shoot from that. And then the bride would end up eventually, you know, getting pregnant, have a maternity photo shoot. Then she'd have a baby, have a newborn shoot, then a family. And I would stay with my brides forever, you know, six, seven, I was there for seven years. So my early customers were with me for like five or six years, just constant recurring revenue, right? But then I realized, oh, well, I could either shoot 50 weddings at three grand or 30 weddings at five grand and still have that base, you know, that base income of 150, which was the benchmark that I set for myself. So I knew that it kind of like worked too well <laughs> because sometimes even when you're expensive, people want you still because they think you're going to be, you know, you're going to provide this amazing experience. But it did. It, it kind of worked too well. And I just ended up with too much business. And I sh- the mistake I made was I should have just put it on hold and got a coach to help me figure out how to get myself out of that situation. And instead I just gave up and walked away. I, you know, I regret it sometimes, but yeah, lessons learned. Yeah. Well, and I think so many times we learn along the way and now that we know better, we can do better. So you start another business Uh with the end in mind, thinking about your life and your business and the income and really creating a plan that works for you. So how do you do that? How do you start with the end in mind and reverse engineer to create a business? So the only other thing that I'm good at other than photography is marketing. So I said, okay, after six months of journey, personal discovery going, what am I going to do with my career now? (laughs) What have I done? I decided to start a marketing consulting firm and I had a little office in Atlantic beach, like right, like near the ocean, across the street from the ocean, little office. I one employee. And my intention was to uh, build more of an, uh, like a, a creative services company that wasn't under my name. I called it something else. I called it Mark by Design. And my intention was to outsource a lot of the work. So I was the marketing consultant creating campaigns, but then I was outsourcing a lot of the work. The unfortunate thing that happened with that, about a year into it, I got really sick really sick. And I had endometriosis, TMI, but I had endometriosis and ended up having four organs removed and three surgeries in two years. And so I lost everything, not from anything that was my fault, not that I made a bad decision, but just because I was so baby brand new in that model that I just didn't have time to get it to the point where I had all the systems in place. My employee didn't understand the model enough to run it without me. We, we just weren't there yet, right? So I ended up having to shut it down while I was recovering from this health problem, you know, this health crisis. And that, that was devastating. Like it was, again, I just felt like, what is going on? What am I doing? God help me. What, am, what is going on with my life? What am I doing? I, I'm making, I felt like I was maybe making bad decisions about things. And it was one of the worst things that ever happened to me because i just lost everything financially. But it was also the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to like really sit and think again about 
What kind of business model do I want to have? What is it that I want my day to look like every day? How am I going to use my gifts and talents? And what impact am I going to make on the world? And I realized, I said, you know what? I don't want to have a company designing websites and designing logos. That's not really where, even though I can do that, it's not really what I wanted to do. And I knew I've got to build it more scalable. So I started an agency with two business partners, two male business partners. And that was very successful. It's a seven-figure earning company. It was a big, it's not a big company, but it was a bigger moneymaker than I had ever made in my past. I had the business partners. We had employees on two coasts. We had the big office building. We had the whole thing that I thought was going to make me successful, air quotes, successful as an entrepreneur. And I did that for about five years until, again, I said, Okay, so it was kind of like I did it and I didn't know what else I could do from there. You know, I was just like, I'm, I'm like a glutton for punishment, I think, when it comes to entrepreneurship. I always am looking for the next thing, like the next challenge and trying to get better at it. I gave my business partners about a two-year heads up and I said, I, I really know what I want to do now with my life and with my career. And what I want to do is speak. Because our business was successful, I was accidentally getting asked to speak and share my ideas, not with any intention on my own of being a professional speaker. It just happened. Like stuff was just falling in my lap. And so um, one day I was, I was speaking at a women's leadership conference. I was a panelist about, on social media. And the keynote speaker was there, this lady named Pagin. And I saw her just owning it, you know, like just sharing her message, inspiring the women that were there, lifting them up. And I ran up to her at the end of her speech and I said, teach me how to do what you just did. This is my life's purpose. I had never seen it before, truthfully. Like I had never looked at it in that way. But when I saw it, I recognized it. And I said, this, that looks like an amazing way to make a living. That looks like an amazing way to make an impact on people's lives. So here I am now. <laughs> Yay. Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, and I love that you consistently ask now what, you know, right. you, you are, you're a growth focused person. I even say like, sometimes we can be goal focused, but that's not even as um, expansive as growth focused, right? So right. it seems like you're always asking, all right, what do I want to do next? And listening to that little intuition that says, how about this? And taking the step, even though you don't quite know how it's going to turn out or even all of the necessary requirements or exactly how to get there, you start to pivot again, which seems mm -hmm. like, does it get easier every pivot or do you still have fear that pops up? I mean, I fear. I have fear all the time, but I get more confident when I'm speaking with women business owners or even male business owners too. How do you have such confidence, Jen? How do you have, and I'm saying, confidence comes from clarity. And confidence and clarity will give you freedom. So I'm confident in my abilities. I'm, a, I'm confident in my judgments. I'm confident in my decisions. No one outworks me. Like I'm an action taker. If I learn something, I immediately implement it, right? I might not get it right, but I'm going to implement. And then I learn from my mistakes, okay? So I'm confident in that. And I'm clear, I'm more clear in who I want to be and what impact I want to make and what I want my career to mean. So I'm clear and I might not have a hundred percent of the detail worked out, you know, like what's my keynote going to be, or how am I going to make money on the back end? Or do I need a recurring business? Like I might not be all the time, a hundred percent clear on those things, but I'm clear on what the vision is. Yeah. And yeah. that's what helps me design a life that I love, that makes me excited to wake up on Monday morning 
because I have fun with what I'm doing. I wouldn't want to do anything. So it's, I'm to the point now where I don't want to do anything else in this moment. And so that gives me the confidence to, yeah. make, to know that I'm, I'm making the right decisions for me. I want to expand on that because confidence plus clarity, clarity. equals freedom. freedom. And what I hear you saying, and I want the audience to listen or to hear this to you guys, because Jen isn't saying she hasn't taken a step and learned from it. <laughs> you know, she has, she hasn't saying it's perfect or it's been smooth sailing. There's been ups and downs and learning curves. And, and you even heard her say, did I make a mistake? I sometimes regret it. Those are things that are part of the journey. What gets us, and I've experienced this myself, which is why I'm like, oh, baby, the second guessing can be so tiresome. And yeah. we can spend months, uh, even years, wondering if we could have done it better or wishing we had made another decision or beating ourselves up because of X, Y, and Z. And so it sounds like you've learned how to move through those moments rather than the wishy-washiness of, I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm unsure. I, I don't know if I'm good enough, or maybe I should have done something different. Yeah. There's, you know, that quote, there's only winning and learning, not winning and losing. It's, you take your losses, you take your setbacks, you take the stumbling blocks and you go, what can I learn from that? So that's, I think that's the, been the other benefit that I've I think my one of my strengths is that I, I'm not immune to problems. I'm not immune to mistakes and failures, but I, I look at it as a learning opportunity and I say, okay, what can I do differently the next time? So then I end up further ahead. When you don't pay attention to, to what you can learn from your stumbling blocks, when you don't pay attention and say, how can I own this instead of, you know, def- deflecting it back on, well, that person did me wrong, or that client didn't want to pay my prices, or that program, you know, didn't work for me, or, you know, that coach didn't know what they're, instead of doing that, say, what can I do differently? What can I learn about that to turn it into something better? Yeah, a 100% ownership, and then actually learning from it, because sometimes we hit a roadblock or a mistake or something happens, and we don't actually learn from it. <laughs> and then we keep doing it again and again. I know one quote unquote mistake I made was working with somebody who didn't quite know what they were doing. And I didn't know what questions to ask. And my first book took a year longer to get out into the world than expected. So it was very easy for me to second guess myself to wonder, do I know what I'm doing? Am I good enough? I'm not sure. And then cry because of the investment of time and resource that I had put into this. But at some point you have to decide, right? I'm either going to let this drown me or I'm going to take a step. And I had to take that, exactly what you said, that ownership and say, well, now that I know, now that I know Mm -hmm. better, I can do better than I do next. So the confidence isn't in, in all of the decisions. The confidence is that I will learn in the decision and I'm confident that I will move through it. Right. Yeah. Confident in my ability to overcome it, you know, confident in, knowing that I'm worth it, confident. And I think a lot of women in particular struggle with that, especially when you get, you know, maybe you hire someone that you shouldn't have hired or you you make a bad call, a judgment call. You go, oh no, I don't really know what I'm doing. Or, you know, I know that I can get myself out of that and learn from it and turn it into something that will be a benefit to me in the long run. So that gives me that confidence. Absolutely. And then clarity. This Mm -hmm. is really important too, because you're incorporating lots of different pieces of your life. You're incorporating family life, you're incorporating income and financial life, you're incorporating your business and what actions you want to do within your business that keep you full. And you're connecting it with your life purpose. So you are passionate about what you're doing. 
when you're working and coaching with people now, what type of roadblocks do you find with this clarity piece that people need to work through? The biggest roadblock that I see is that they're trying to reinvent the wheel. And the, the easiest way to get around that is to find someone who is already doing what you want to do. And it might not be the exact model. It might not be the exact program. It might, you know, but you have to benchmark what success looks like for you. Where are you trying to go? And if you're not exactly clear, find someone else who is already doing it. That's why I ran off stage when I saw Pagina at that women's leadership conference. I said, teach me everything that you know. And she couldn't teach me everything that she knows, but she could point me in the right direction. And she could tell me, you need to join this association. You need to listen to these people. You need to have know this about yourself. And she got me going in the right direction. If I never would have seen her and then had the courage to ask her, how do I do what you're doing? I would have stumbled around for five years trying to figure it out. So benchmarking and don't try to reinvent the wheel. No one's business is that special. No one's business is that different. No one's business is so brand new. And if it is, if you think that no one does what you can do, you might have a problem with marketability, right? Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel and be something so obscure that people don't understand what it is, right? Success leaves clues. Follow people that are already doing what you want to do and ask them to point you in the right direction. It will save you so much time and energy. Awesome. Awesome. And it's true. I mean, that's where you can really expedite your learning and expedite your business by being around people who are doing it. So you don't have to take a year longer to get your book out than expected, you know, because you're with people who can, once I found the right team, it took three months, right? You know? And so I love that. So you're, you're now speaking, you're coaching, Mm -hmm. you're doing workshops, you're, um, you're consulting with the, the news. Tell me a bit about what you're doing now and why it's, it's exactly what you want. I'm an entrepreneur still, but I'm smart enough to diversify my income now. I don't have all my eggs in one basket so much, but it's all under a, the same brand, the same focus, okay? So I'm a sales and marketing speaker to corporations, associations, and organizations that just pay me to come in and do a program, okay? But I also do my own workshops. And this helps, especially if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going into the speaking business or you want to use speaking to help you grow your business. I have my own events and my own workshops because that gives me the ability to have income when I might not have a booking right? So I create my own workshops. I build my own audience, my own list. Because when, you, when you're just speaking in the corporate association and organization market, sometimes the people that are in the audience might not want to be people that, you, that can continue with you, right? There might not be back-end business. There might be, but there might not be. And so I have my corporate business, my corporate association and organization speaking business, but then I have my own workshops working with business owners, CMOs, people that are making marketing decisions, and CEOs of small to mid-sized companies that want to come and learn. And so those two things are related. They're just different markets, and they're just a different way of me sharing my message, right? And then on the back end of those, speaking is the primary way that I, number one, generate revenue, and number two, generate clients for myself. So when I speak, I have a workshop or keynote presentation or whatever. Then on the back end of that, I have a consulting and coaching business. And I offer some done-for-you services related to marketing. I don't do all of the marketing services. I've really narrowed down what my marketing services are so that I could specialize. 
but I do have some done for you services on the back end. And then the Boss Women Rock program, Boss Women Rock is actually a 52 week program that I created because when I, I, I saw a problem, when I was at women's conferences in particular as a speaker, there were uh, many, many women in the, in the audience that truthfully just were not in a place in their business where they could afford my consulting fees. And their businesses were struggling because they were not getting the truth about what it really takes to be successful in business. And sometimes in the women's conferences, there's a lot of fluffy stuff, I call it, pink and sparkly unicorn stuff. And there, no one wanted to have hard conversations about money and how to make money in particular. And so I decided to create the Boss Women Rock program. It first started out as a 52-week membership program, very affordable that women could pay into and get access to affordable group coaching. Of course, it's got an e-learning system like all memberships do, access to a community, access to support that we really only focus on how to make money. <laughs> That's it. We don't do, I don't do the woo-woo fluffy stuff. We just don't do that. There are a lot of coaches that do do that. Great for them. That's not what I am and that's not what I focus on. So that's what Boss Woman Rock started as. But then again, it started to evolve because my corporate clients that I thought were a completely different market, they started to see the Boss Women Rock brand because I have a podcast, I have a magazine, I wrote a book, you know, they started to see it and they're like, we want the Boss Women Rock thing. They didn't even know what it was. It just has a cool name. And so they'd say, can you come in and talk to our company about the bo about Boss Women Rock and how to be a Boss Woman Who Rocks? I'm like, yes. <laughs> of course I can. <laughs> so I turned it into a women in leadership speaking and consulting topic program. So now I, so not only can I speak at sales and marketing to corporations, associations, and you know, organizations and serve my entrepreneurs, my women with Boss Women Rock, but now I'm also, I've got a women in leadership initiative for those those companies that, I, that were already hiring me for sales and marketing, um, I've also got this women in leadership offering for them as well. I love that. You start with one thing and then you start hearing more needs. Um, your clients are asking you for, what about this? Tell me about this. Right. Or, and then you even create the tiered program. So you've got your, your bigger ticket items, but then you also have a recurring right. revenue as well. Yes. And I'm hearing that you didn't start it all at once. It no. truly did evolve when people started. The demand was there, really. The big domino in my business is speaking. So I know that if I speak, if I focus on that one thing, everything else falls in place. Everything does. And then I can be flexible to meet the demands of the market, like I said, and like you said, too find problems and solve them. So then, you know, so then I started when, I, and then another problem that I found, I'd be at an event and there were what I call rising influencers, people that were in the room that wanted to do, they were me when I saw Pagin. They were in the audience and they would come up to me and say, teach me how to do what you do. I was like, okay, great. I can do this. So I created a mastermind program out of it that I do once a quarter for my rising influencers and I teach them how to be a speaker and how to make money as a speaker, and how to have your own workshops, right? So I'm not creating this stuff. I'm not trying to like launch everything all at one time. I'm focusing on what the big domino is in my business. And then I'm only creating products and services that people are asking me for that I know there's demand for. So then when someone comes to me and they say, I think there's a demand for something, then I research it. And I look at what my competition is doing. Why is this problem not being solved in the market? And I put my own, like, there are a lot of programs that will teach you, you know, professional speaking. Like there's, that's a whole industry, right? And I'm a member of the National Speakers Association. I'm going to be on the board for Colorado chapter next year. Like there's a whole thing for that, but there's not really 
many uh, programs to teach you. If you're a brand new speaker and you need to make money in your coaching business like right now, or if you're a coach and you want to learn how to use speaking and events to fill your coaching business, there's not many programs that solve that problem. And I have my own specific way that I do it, my own IP, my own intellectual property, my own process, my own scripts, my own schedules, my, you know, so I've turned that into an offering and into a program because I did the research to know this is a problem that's in the market. And then I took the time to format it into a program that I could serve my clients with. Yeah. People come up to you and they say, Hey, do you do this? And you say, yes. If the answer is sense. always yes. <laughs> yeah, if it fits under, it out. yeah, if it fits under the bigger umbrella of what my vision is for my life and what my business model is, and I don't have to recreate stuff from scratch. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm taking the process that I use for myself, documenting it out, and then turning it into a program that I can serve other people with. Right. And I know that it works because I did it for myself. I'm doing it for myself. And then when I can get the same results for my clients. Then I know that I'm onto it. And then I, it get, that gives me confidence to know, okay, this is going to, this is really working, not just for me, but for my clients too. This is a product that I could invest more energy in marketing and, you know, start small, think big, but start small and take one step at a time, really. What has been something surprisingly awesome about this last business that you've started that maybe you weren't expecting? Really, how fast? You can grow it when you are more clear on what it is that you want. I think the other business models that I had took a little bit longer because I wasn't exactly, I was just trying to get paid, really. I was just like, I need money. I need clients. Okay, sure. I'll take that project. I'll take that project. Sure. I'll do web design and branding and you know all this stuff. Sure. We can do that. And it actually took me longer to grow it to the point where I would call it a success than it has this model. I've had faster success because I've been more clear. That has been a welcome surprise. Awesome. Has there been anything that was a hurdle that you weren't expecting this time around? I mean, there's always hurdles, always. I think with the professional speaking business in particular, having your own workshops, that's professional speaking. Some of the hurdles that I found were how expensive it is to do the marketing right. And I'm a marketer, so I can bypass, like I don't have to hire marketing coaches because I'm a marketer, but it can get really expensive. And I just moved to Denver nine months ago. And oh my gosh, when you're in a major market, you know, if I want to have my own event, and I need to rent out a room, you know, a facility for, it's expensive. So I've had to take the realities, the unexpected things that have come up and say, how can I work myself around this? So now I have sponsors, which I never had before. So now I have sponsors and location sponsors and companies that want to get in front of my audience. And I say, hey, I've got this audience. I'm going to put 50 people, 100 people in a room. Do you want to get in front of them? Corporate sponsors. These are the best kind. And I say, do you want to get in front of my people? And they say, yeah. And I'm like, great. Here's how you can do that. And then so I can offset the unexpected costs and these problems that I wasn't really expecting to have. But now I've created a whole nother revenue stream (laughs) for myself with sponsors. And so that's cool too. I mean, it's just, it's constantly evolving. I'm just having a lot of fun with it. You totally are. I can feel it. You know, I can feel like one thing leads to another. Um, and, and it's kind of fun to take that challenge and say, all right, well, how can I fit this specific need with what I know? And you guys, I'm sure you're like, oh, yep, 
she sounds like someone you want to be like when, <laughs> because I do workshops as well. And I just yeah. started really looking into sponsorships and, and mm-hmm. figuring out how do you scale it when you're still trading time for money and creating a coaching program to keep the recurring revenue and all of these things that uh, make you go, okay, it's Media. possible. So you have to have your own media. This is the secret that I figured out. Okay. okay. So this is why I publish a magazine because the magazine helps me do a couple different things. Oh, here it is right here. I have a picture. Okay. So here's, a, here's Oprah's magazine. One day I'm in the grocery store and I see Oprah's magazine and I say, what can I learn from this? Why is Oprah for 18 years? She's been publishing a magazine every month. If her TV show gets canceled, she publishes her magazine. Now, Oprah's, I'm sure you guys have seen, she's on a big tour doing her big Live Your Best Life, you know, conference. I just got an ad on Facebook for it right before this presentation. I screenshotted it because I'm going to copy her ad. Um, you know, now she's got, she's got her magazine. She's got her events. I'm like, what can I learn from this? Because success leaves clues. All right. So I look at Oprah. Magazine. Boss Women Rock has a magazine, right? And I started publishing this uh, about a year and a quarter ago, 15 months ago. I've done this. This is the first issue. I've done five. So she does them every month. I don't have the bandwidth for that. I do them every quarter, okay? The magazine helps give me um, influence. It gives me authority. gives me credibility. It's a lot easier to write than a book. No one has one. It's unique. It's different. Sponsors. Now that I, I can tell my sponsors I'll, as part of my package, I'll put your ad in my magazine. And I tell them, I've got 1,500 subscribers on my list for my magazine. Do you want to get in front of 1,500 women with buying power? They say yes. So it's like value. So I'm putting them in my magazine. I'm putting them at my event. I'm, you know, I'm giving them a platform and a, and a place to get in front of people that they would not ordinarily get in front of. And your magazine is a physical magazine that you ship to people? Mail? Yeah. yeah. So I have two different ones. Um, I have the printed version that I take, you know, like Oprah. Um, I, and I just realized that on both of these covers, Oprah and I are both sitting down. I did not do that on purpose. That's like, <laughs> that what can I purpose. learn from this? Let me, yeah, what can I learn from this? Um, but you know, yeah, so I do print the magazine and then I also give it away for free online. Uh, as a digital download and it, I, you know, there are tools where you can make it flippable, like flipping book and stuff like that. You can make it flippable. So my, my, um, I, so I give it away for free as a lead magnet to, to build my list. It helps me with credibility. It helps me with my sponsorships. Uh, it helps me with my contributors. So like whenever I do a podcast interview, I can take the recording of the pod, like you're going to be in the next issue of the magazine because you just were on my podcast. So I take the transcription of the podcast and I make it a Q&A interview, and put it in the magazine. It just really helps me hit a lot of different, you know, milestones in my sales process, I guess. I love it. I love it. And then you are the authority instead of you saying, how can I put an ad in everyone else's magazines or newspapers or whatever? You're creating your own and getting sponsors and collaborators and experts to be a part of your publication. Yeah. I mean, I always want to do the opposite of what my competition is doing. So if everyone's pivoting over here, I'm going to go over here. And is it, a, is it a little bit harder to publish a magazine than just send out an email newsletter? Yes. Does it take more work? Yes. Are the rewards better? Yes. So, I mean, I'm all about just whatever your competition is doing, do the opposite. Look for, look for problems that you can solve. Your marketing should be fun. I like the magazine is the most fun that I have with my marketing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really a lot of fun. Awesome. 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 And I know you have a freebie, the sales and marketing guide for our listeners today at Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a bit what they can expect with that. 
So the sales and marketing guide basically is an outline. If you uh, are a business owner or your chief marketing officer, I guarantee that you are leaving money on the table by not covering the five key areas of your marketing that can be monetized, all right? And so the sales and marketing guide outlines exactly where the hidden revenue is in your business by taking a look at these five key areas of your marketing, including lead generation, uh, conversion, number of transactions, pricing, and profit. And uh, there's examples in the in the ebook and just case studies galore, and it's it really very valuable. So you can get that for free. You can also, if you're interested, since I talked about the magazine, if you want to subscribe to the magazine for free, you can go to bosswomenrockmagazine.com. And I'll be in the next one, you guys. You totally you will. get it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I have two last questions for you. Okay. So as somebody who's giving to your clients and casting vision for them and helping to support their dreams, we know that you need to be filled up too. So what are some books you've read in the past or things that you do listen to, learn from now to keep yourself motivated and focused in the right direction? Okay, so first thing, I'm a Christian. And the, the very first thing, I cannot do anything without Jesus in my life. So that's just foundational for me. That's that's my journey. Okay, so there, that's number one. The Bible, I think, is the best self-help book on the planet. It's a love story. It's a love note from God to you. And if you want to, if you don't believe something about yourself, or you don't think you can do something, I guarantee you can, and you will learn that and believe it by, by reading the Bible. So that's my number one self-help thing that I do. The other things that I do are, I study people that are not in the status quo. So my major mentor in business and marketing is a gentleman named Dan Kennedy. He's a direct response marketer. And basically everyone that is successful, like, you know, the Lewis Howes, Marie Forleo's of the world, they are all implementing the things that Dan Kennedy was the original teacher of. So I like to cut through the middle man or woman and just go straight to the source. So I'm a Dan Kennedy student and that has given me a major advantage in business and in marketing in particular. Those are my two go-to things. Anything Dan Kennedy says and anything Jesus says. Actually, here's Dan Kennedy's. Dan Kennedy publishes a newsletter every month for his members. And it's an old black and white, like, this is not fancy. Gold, gold in these, in these newsletters. And um, I've been very inspired by his career and all the people that are, have been spinoff experts of his. Those are my two things. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. And one last question for you is, what is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? Okay, so I'm a I'm a creature of habit, and I'm a very I'm very much into routine, and so one thing I cannot compromise is healthy eating. Like I, so I start every day with a protein smoothie. I don't I cut coffee out of my life a couple years ago. I don't even rely on that. I rely on how can I fuel my body naturally with food, real food, not diets nothing fancy. How can I feel my body? That's something that I cannot compromise. So that's what I do every day. I love it. And you know, you guys, as we say, success is the sum of your habits yeah. and uh, consistency compounds. So as you can hear and see, learning, growing, pivoting, learning, growing, pivoting, learning, growing, pivoting. Jen, you are living your dream life right now and helping people do the same by taking their passion, their excitement, their mission and helping them create a lucrative business surrounding it. So congratulations to you. I just want to honor you for listening to yourself and not allowing the world to dictate what you really want and need in your life, but choosing to say yes to that spark that continues to like guide you. And in doing so, you are able to have that domino effect 
that ripple effect with the rest of the world. Thank you. That means a lot to me coming from you, who's such an amazing powerhouse and uh, a boss woman who rocks as well. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. Check out jendevore.com. The link will be in the description below and Boss Room and Rock Magazine. That will be in the description box below as well. And thank you again, Jen, for your time and wisdom today. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.